You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Tone Zone. Welcome to the Tones on. I'm your host, Anthony Mullen, and today I've got a very special episode on Thanksgiving break. I'm joined by my brother, Joey. How are you doing? Pretty well. Thanks for having me. And uh, when I talked to you about doing an episode of the podcast, uh, you wanted to do an episode on the Guardians of the Galaxies, Galaxy movies, and I really enjoyed uh, that idea because I love these movies. Yeah, they're um, probably my favorite MC MCU movies, pro- if not probably one of my top 10 favorite movies of my lifetime. Um, they're fun. Uh, I really like the soundtracks and honestly both movies. The characters are really good in both movies and they're fun. And um, honestly, Star-Lord's probably one of my favorite super superhero, if you want to call them that, characters yeah. in, um, in, in the MCU and overall, honestly. So yeah. Yeah. So... You have a really nice relationship with these movies. I think I think I'm pretty much the same. I really enjoy these movies, uh, especially compared to most other MCU movies. I have a lot of problems with the MCU mm-hmm. in general. I think they have a problem with like monotony and they kind of follow a formula. But these ones really stick out. They feel like they were uh, produced by James Gunn, the director, mm-hmm. in both movies. They feel like his vision, while most Marvel movies just feel like it's the vision of Marvel as a company. Like a total, like all movies try try to go to a collective whole. Yeah, it's like uh, gotcha. Civil War. Civil War, um, it's it's a fine movie. I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like brand management. Like we okay. got to get Spider-Man in there. We got to get Black Panther. Yeah, it's kind of force. It's like, in, it's leading to, it leads up to two different movies. Three if you count Infinity War. True. But guardians uh i would say the first one has a little bit of problems with that we'll get into that but i feel like they are completely separate they feel like uh i mean my gold standard for superhero uh franchises is the uh the toby Maguire sam raimi spider-man trilogy mm-hmm. and it feels like that it even feels like it, the dark knight trilogy in a way where it feels single it feels yeah like, I know sometimes you, you forget it's in the mcu and the beauty of infinity war and endgame comes with the guardians for me because it feels like you're rewarded by having them uh interact with the greater universe yeah even though most of the other marvel movies they feel like they're leading up towards that it just feels like the guardians oh you get this big event with the guardians i think we'll we'll talk probably talk about this later but the thing that goes well with that movie is each character that travels with each other so got star lord gamora um Rocket Raccoon, Groot, and then um, yeah, Drax. Drax and They all have, each of them have different personality types. And yeah. I think that's why they mesh well. Yeah. That's definitely, and we'll probably talk about how they relate to other movies that you probably talked about more and more movies that you like and how they relate to that and how that, um, the character driven base of these movies is what helps feed the nostalgia about it. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, I always make this comparison with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's kind of loose, but I think it works, especially with the two movies mm-hmm. we have out right now. Uh, 
to me, Guardians of the Galaxy is Marvel's take on Star Wars. Definitely. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So... Not just because it's in space, but there's definitely more deeper details to that. I know people would probably yeah. argue, well, you're just looking at it based on it's in space. But there's if you look at the characters more, it's more... We'll probably get into it more, but... Yeah. I mean, obviously, when you watch Guardians and Guardians 2, it does take a lot of inspiration for movies like Star Wars. You yeah. have, like, the, the space pirates with, like, the Ravagers. You got... Um... Do you know if uh, James Gunn or, uh, has admitted that he took stuff from Star Wars and tried oh, to relate absolutely. it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean... I think I think Star Wars is so big at this point where it's influencing everything. Mm-hmm. It was the first blockbuster, and it's so huge and so influential. It's the biggest franchise ever. Yeah, it was some of the like um, Empire Strikes Back and movies like that. New Hope. Yeah, they were the first movies to do certain. I I don't know the technical words for them, but do certain things through like. Um, yeah, like special effects. Special effects. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. They were the kind of the first group to do that on movies and like we watched yesterday the thing about star wars how they made the movie of empire strike back and they kind of experimented with things and it ended up paying off and made a better sequel probably regarded yeah. better sequel in my opinion yeah yeah it's a great uh documentary on a uh, disney plus if anybody has that um so going back to that whole marvel star wars i think in the way it builds its world like mm-hmm. the planets we go to on the in the guardians movies they feel fleshed out, and it's not like they weren't built up in any other Marvel movie. Yeah, it's singular. It does the dirty work of building the entire universe, building everywhere we go, very well in two movies in four mm-hmm. hours. And I just think this, like, it's it brings people together the same way Star Wars does, in my opinion. And yeah, I love Star Wars. I love Star Wars more than Guardians, but it's close. But I think Guardians has more to say, especially with the second one. But the first one does say a lot. Yeah, we'll get into like volume one versus volume two, pers- like personal opinion wise. But honestly, both are really good movies. I think they're the best two Marvel movies. The only one that yeah. comes close is the first Avengers. That's a really good movie. Yeah, fantastic. I think those are the three great. I really Marvel like movies. Doctor Strange too, but that's kind of like yeah. a lower. It's not. I wouldn't put it on. It's the same level. I'd say Doctor Strange is definitely up there for me because it's. I'd say it's kind of unique compared to other Marvel movies. When I watched it, it was definitely different than the other action-packed films I've seen from Marvel. Yeah, especially with like the visuals. But I think that definitely helps those movies, the visuals. Story-wise, I think Doctor Strange is very generic. It feels like Iron Man a lot. And I agree with that. I think that's a problem with most of the movies have. I because think... there's only um in Doctor Strange like guardians has several characters i'm interested in dr strange has probably one yeah Mm -hmm. off the top of my head i've only seen dr strange once and i can't i can't name more than probably three characters so (laughs) guardians i can name several yeah but like my like i'm I'm just gonna name my top five off right now and there's a and there's a reason i have them ranked top five in the mcu okay guardians two guardians one the first avengers is this in particular order uh yeah okay but uh the first Captain America, Captain America, the first Avenger, That's and one. Black Panther. And oh, I, yeah, Black Panther pretty high. I, yeah. And the reason I love those five movies, the reason I think they're pretty good to great, is because they feel different from other Marvel movies. Yeah. The ones I have more, more towards the middle, they feel like, oh, uh, this is just another Marvel movie. Like, uh-huh. I, I really like the Spider Man movies in the MCU, but they do just feel like other marvel movies i see what you mean i really like what um 
surprisingly, like when I was first uh, on Netflix, and I'm like, I'll watch Thor Ragnarok just to watch it. I'm sure it's like decent. I actually was pretty impressed with how they did things on it and just kind of the plot of it because I would have thought it was, I would I didn't expect much out of it, but I really like Thor Ragnarok and a lot of people I talked to like that movie. So that's definitely probably up there for me personally, but I agree with most of the movies you said. Yeah, I have a I have a bit of a hot take on Thor Ragnarok. I do like Thor Ragnarok, but I feel like uh it really shines when it tries to be Guardians. Okay. When that's it tries fair. when it tries to be really colorful, but I feel like when it's it has to go into the Thor lore in Asgard, yeah. it doesn't seem very interested. And yeah, and you can honestly compliment Guardians on that part. Yeah. <laughs> like the first i know what you mean with um i don't remember her name but the woman that takes what's her name hella hella yeah villain, so yeah. you're talking about those parts of the movies correct yeah, yeah those no, were hard. probably the least interesting parts of the movie mm-hmm. it felt like two movies to me one Except that went on matt damon's playing <laughs> thor yeah <laughs> but um okay so yeah i feel like thor ragnarok did a good job i feel like it was reacting to the huge success of guardians and they did it to revitalize thor yeah and i think it did it well especially with the character of definitely but let's start with the first guardians came out in 2014 no expectations and it crushed it's a Mm -hmm. critical darling people love the film it's crowd pleasing um i really like what this film is trying to say especially i like i like the openings with both i like the opening scene and the ending scene Mm -hmm. they really connect in a great way and in this one, you have the introduction of uh, the music, which will become very um, essential to these movies. And you have a lot uh, of the music if you look closely into them. So like the lyrics of the songs kind of play into the stories. Yeah. And I see that more with volume two than volume one. But we'll get we'll get to we'll that. Get to that. Yeah, it does a great. I think it does a great in both films, especially with uh, the first uh, song. I'm not in love. It tells the story of peter um not really accepting his mother's death yeah and kind of running away from it and that's what the whole movie's about especially for peter his whole arc is accepting his mother's death and i know i'm skipping to the end but the final scene with him finally unopening that gift mm-hmm. she gave him and it's a new mixtape yeah volume two not only is that a great way to say there's a sequel coming yeah that's a good yeah but it also just feels like gratification especially like he um, didn't want to open it because it would have it's something that he was holding on to it was the last thing like his last, yeah him. yeah and it was his way of saying i'm gonna move on from this yeah in a sense yeah and i just think that's re- that's a great thing to say in a movie that most movies of this kind don't really no yeah and not only does it tell those deep uh really complex uh themes but it does it and it's really fun this movie came out in between a really dark and a, a Superman movie that I personally don't like, Man of Steel, and like Batman v Superman, which is very grim. And yeah. it felt like that was what superhero movies were going towards, kind of the gritty, like even Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Probably is, think, honestly, Dark Knight for that. Oh, absolutely. It was reaction to the Dark Knight trilogy. And even Captain America was getting very grounded and mm-hmm. real with the Winter Soldier. And this just felt like a breath of fresh air. It was so fresh. Yeah, not- I think you need some of those fun superhero movies because, like, honestly, when I'm not big in reading the comic and comic books, but they're colorful. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's how I. Dis- mm-hmm. That's one word I describe comic books with. So 
I don't look at some comic books are grim and dark, but like mm-hmm. most that I see are colorful, bright. Yeah. That's just like a visual of it. So I think Guardians did a really good job visually with that. Definitely, definitely. Like, uh, like going back to what you said with comics, I'm more knowledgeable on these on comics, and the dark aesthetic is it suits Batman. That's mm-hmm. why the Dark Knight used yeah. it, and that's why it used it to such such a success. Yeah. But Guardians, the Guardians books, especially recently before the movie, right before the movie, yeah. they were bright. And yeah. I think that was getting people ready for this kind of bright superhero movie that really hadn't been made since Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2. They were bright, and but they had a lot to say. And like yeah. we said, it's not only sharing pain, but it's the whole family thing. And uh, the next thing I want to get into is the whole character dynamics and how yeah. the Guardians form and become really a family. Okay. Uh, I think we should start with the protagonist, uh, Peter Quill, aka Star Lord. Yeah. I think the casting of Chris Pratt was perfect. It was perfect. I think it's not perfect in the way where like I could only see Chris Pratt being Star Lord. Yeah. But he does such a he good does a job. Really good with job. It. It's the first. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the first movie, I'm pretty sure he's on kind of like a mission thing and he's got that his headset in he's yeah, yeah. kind of that's, dancing to the music that's a really good i that's stuck with me that's a really good opening scene and it shows it shows you what his character is it's like arrogant yeah you go from him as a child confident him as a child running away from his mother's uh death and then right away he's an adult he's 30 and in he, space and he hasn't grown up <laughs> he's immature and i think the immaturity of quill goes throughout both films yeah and i think it I, I think the second one addresses it better, mm-hmm. but uh, it does such a good job setting up this character, and Pratt does a really good job being relatable, being likable, and really hooking you on this character that even most comic readers didn't even know. And it's and it establishes you in this universe, and yeah. it's fun. Yeah, one thing that you always said about how it's similar to Star Wars is that... Um, Star Lord or Peter Quill's the Han Solo version of the Marvel universe. Yeah, I and think him and uh, Rocket are two Han Solos, yeah, and I yeah. think that creates a really nice dynamic. Definitely, we'll get to Rocket later. I want to continue. Yeah, no, and then I was also gonna add. You've also mentioned that this movie does a good job because it takes those aspects of Star Wars without the Jedi's that yeah. people definitely are interested in. So yeah. it takes like the Chewbacca types, the han solo types the c-3po types even leia leia types yeah Yeah. definitely so it takes those types without the luke's without the yodas without the The vader the vader it takes those non-jedi types and makes it into more of a i don't know the word to use but it's it's like a i don't um, want to say pirates yeah it's like a scrappy uh it's a scrappier version of star wars and it's something that i wish solo did a little bit better yeah it's kind of it's kind of the same. You have the swashbuckling space adventures, yeah. and it's very it feels like a pulp, uh, a pulp thing that uh, Star Wars was inspired by. Definitely. And I think I think it does it really well. It, as I said, it builds the world really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think this movie, compared to the other Marvel movies, it has a heart to it. It feels like James Gunn is pouring his heart into this. It feels like he is telling a personal story. And it can be shown in those themes that we have talked about. Definitely, the, yeah. The, the family and the um, the sharing the pain. So, do you have uh, going back to the characters? Do you have anything else to say about uh, um, Quill? 
So, like you said, because of his um, personal life, his early personal life with his mother dying, and um, honestly, I don't think in the first movie he knew who his dad was, obviously. So, that obviously is going to lead some emotional struggles in internal conflicts within yeah. the character. So, I think they did a good job in the first movie with kind of making him... I want to say, like, usually when a kid has emotional struggles or, like, a family issue Mm -hmm. they're going to be kind of rebellious yeah and even and i would say he was definitely rebellious towards his stepdad aka yondu yeah we'll talk about yondu more in volume two but the dynamic it sets up in volume one even though it's not really as it's not as deep as volume two Mm -hmm. but it's set it's set up such a good way um and you really get to know yondu you get to see how he kind of helps he kind he's kind of loving to mm-hmm. Peter, even though he's kind of a brash, and we understand the reasoning in Volume Two. Like in um the end of the first movie, this just called to mind. But at the end of the first movie, do you remember Peter kind of throughout the movie made the Ravengers pretty mad? Yeah, can't it, remember what it was about. He gave, he gave remember uh, it was, are you talking about how he gave them? He the gave troll them the doll? troll doll at the end of the movie, and he didn't. He, he just, just kind of smiled. Yeah. And it and it sets up and I think Yondu is very similar to uh, Nebula in this film and it's something that these movies do a really good job at uh, through the character development. It's mm-hmm. telling you that characters can change, people change. They it. do a they do a really good job with the villains in that. I would say Nebula is one of the main villains throughout both movies. Yeah, technically. Like Nebula and Yondu are uh, villains in Volume One in a sense, and yeah. they become. Yondu becomes the heart of Volume Two, and Nebula becomes more understanding and kind of a neutral in Volume Two. Yeah, I agree. It's I I think it does. I I know I keep keeping the praises, but I think it does a really good job with that. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I I've got some like criticisms about Ronan a little bit, but not too yeah. much. Well, I would say he's definitely. We'll get to that later, but I definitely yeah. I I I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing though. Yeah, it's not. But, now, yeah. going off of Nebula, let's go with Gamora. Now, I think Gamora is uh, introduced in this film really well, even though uh, it's kind of tied to Thanos. It's kind of burdened by Thanos. So you don't like that because it kind of, like you said earlier, puts it, forces it into the MCU universe? Yeah, I think, okay, I'll talk about my problems with the film. I think, I think as you said, Ronan, I think, is a very weak villain. He's one of the worst Marvel villains in is the universe. Is there a reason for that? Is it just kind of like... He's just generic. Like, he's, yeah, I see what you mean. He's not really... I, my favorite kind of villains are the ones that are always uh, clashing with the heroes, okay. personally. Like, Ego in Volume 2, we'll get to, he does that more. But Ronan's kind of subdued, and he's doing the work of Thanos. And I think Thanos and the whole Power Stone, even though I think it's done pretty tastefully and probably the best it could be done by James Gunn, yeah, I don't like it because it's just all it's doing is setting up a sequel. Okay. And I, yeah, like you have you have the part where they go to the Collector and he's explaining all the Infinity Stones. Yeah, that's there so. They can have in the trailers for Infinity War to explain these are the powerful stones. Thanos wants them, and then they introduce Thanos in this film. Yeah, and this this movie honestly carried a lot of the weight of Infinity War. Yeah, a good I think, amount of I it. I think Volume Two does it very subtly with uh, Gamora and Nebula. I'll get to that. I know All I right. keep saying I'll get to that, but uh, 
these movies are so intertwined, especially how they grow. We, I think we can't talk about the characters in volume one if we uh, talk know. about them yeah. in volume two. No, definitely. So uh, going back to Gamora, I think she's fairly generic in this film. I think she's done better in volume two. Exactly. Um, yeah. But Zoe Saldana does a great job with what she's given in this. Um, going on to Rocket, I think Rocket is. He's definitely one of the best characters in this in the movie. He's my he's my favorite character in the MCU. It's either Star Lord or Rocket Raccoon for me. Yeah, I think I think the only characters that touch them in the universe is Captain America. He's pretty good too. Uh, yeah. But Rocket is. It's shown again. It's shown very subtly because this has to tell a very fun adventure movie it's shown really subtly that rocket is kind of subdued and he doesn't want to get close to anyone because he's uh afraid of them leaving them him because he obviously the scene with his back Mm -hmm. because he's been cybernetically modified and he doesn't he feels like a monster and he doesn't want to come close to anybody there's and that creates a really nice dynamic with forming the team. That mm-hmm. whole, um, probably the best scene in the film. Is that the scene where they're all kind of together in that one room? They're planning. Yeah. And um, that's the scene that shows that they relate to each other more than they think. Yeah, that's when they really become the team. Yeah. And what Rocket goes through in this movie, and especially Volume 2, it's really great. And he he learns to open up. I know a lot, to be fair, a lot of these uh, characters' arcs are about them opening up. Yeah. But I think Rockets has done really well with being, like, Star-Lord's given the most time. He's the protagonist. Yeah. He's got the most meat to his arc. But Rockets' background, he's probably the third or second most important character in the film. And what's true. And what's given to him is great. And Bradley Cooper just creates a completely iconic voice with Rocket. No, that's very true. It doesn't honestly sound kind of like Bradley Cooper, I wouldn't say it, but it's a it's a cool little fun voice, I would say. Yeah. That definitely in volume two, he has this really great scene that I love. Can I bring it up now or should I wait? Uh, let's let's wait. All right. Yeah. Um. Now I think I think we can go a little quicker with uh, Drax and Groot. I think they're both kind of they serve the same purpose. Yeah. But I think, exactly. I think uh, personally, Drax holds the team together. I just think what Dave Bautista does, he's pretty much perfect casting. I couldn't see anyone. It's a definitely an interesting choice that I probably wouldn't have never thought of. Uh, funny thing, something came out. Chadwick Boseman was almost Drax. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, I don't just, think that would have made sense personally. Just but. what Dave Bautista does, being the literal, he takes everything as it is. He's like the straight man, but he's really funny in the first one. Yeah. And it's he's the glue really mm-hmm. and i mean going back to the star wars uh i think root is really chewbacca but that i think but very true i think i think root has a moment chewbacca never gets in any of the star wars films he the whole sacrificing the whole we are groot yeah that's really good it's the sharing pain he's self-sacrificing and mm, that's it true gives them the push obviously it saves them but and it's I, again, I, I know, I'm sorry I keep relating this to Star Wars, but it's kind of Han going into Carbonite. We know he's going to come back, but it, it's kind of they lost. It's the consequences of their actions, yeah. and it pushes them. No, that's fair. I agree. And obviously, he's iconic. Groot, yeah. obviously. Um, 
yeah, so I think uh, we went over uh, what we love about the film. Uh, we went over what we uh, have some gripes with. Yeah. I think the big ones, Thanos and Ronan. Yeah, kind I agree of with the, you on that. The forced uh, story uh, universe building. Like, it feels like James Gunn was given that by Marvel higher-ups, by like Kevin Feige. They used, have to relate this so we can build a plot yeah, to he, the bigger movie that's going to be coming they, out. Yeah, it's like they, out now. They said, um, you can make whatever you, you can tell your own story. You can tell whatever you want with this story. We just need you to have Thanos in it. We need you to have it, uh, with the power stone. Jo- I think you did a good job at it. It's barely in it too. Yeah. Like it doesn't hold the movie back that much. I wouldn't say it holds it back that much. But Nothing to where I'm like, because I like what they did. I like, I like what they did in volume one with the power stone of how it shows Starlord has another part to him. When yeah. he was able to hold it for so long, and that sets, I up, think he did a good job with that. It's, it sets up ego. It sets up intrigue for the sequel. And if you do, you have anything else to say about the first one? Do you have like I, a favorite thing that stands out of the movie? I really like for the first one. Off the top of my head, I really like the prison scene. Oh yeah, I really like that scene just because that's the first kind of time they've met each other, and it's still like you're you know that they're gonna become a team. But you're kind of watching it, seeing how it's unfolding, seeing how how they kind of conflict with each other and work with each other in the prison. Mm-hmm. And I th- I just think that's a cool scene. Yeah, I I really like that scene. I really like the uh, the plan scene before the big uh, Nova t- Nova attack. Like okay, yeah, what we were talking yeah. about. But I think my favorite one is when Quill hold- grabs the power stone. That's a good one. Yeah, and it's the everyone holding arms. And the whole Peter take my hand and it mm-hmm. goes back to his mother. I just think there hasn't been a scene like that where every character's journey through the m- movie has been fulfilled that cleanly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's everyone ties it all together. Kind of. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's arc throughout the whole movie is learning to share pain. And that's just it's visual. It's literal. It makes sense for everyone no, watching a, it. Definitely, that's a good point. I, yeah, I see what you mean. That's it's, definitely good. Yeah, and the the theme playing, it's great. Yeah, one of the one of the best themes in the MCU. So yeah, we've talked about Volume One. Uh, yeah, I think for like thirty minutes. So let's, yeah, let's go over to Volume Two now. Okay, as I said, I think Volume Two is the best Marvel. Yeah, movie. that I agree. Uh, volume Two is probably in my top five all time favorite movies. Just. I enjoy it personally. I think it's fun. I like, honestly, the soundtrack to it better than Volume 1, even though the soundtrack in Volume One's great with, like, for example, Volume 1 has Hooked on a Feeling, which is a song I love. Um, a lot of, it has, like, two Jackson 5 songs, if I believe. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah Want You Back, and um, can't remember the other one, but yeah. Um, it was you got the, ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no mountain end. high enough. Great one. That that's a that's great, especially at the end of volume. And then one. cherry bomb too. Yeah. So those are the ones like off the top of my head. But um, yeah, I really like volume one soundtrack. But the way the reason I, or the reason I like volume two soundtrack better is because I I don't know if you you probably remember this Mr. Blue Sky at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like the kind of the fun scene they have of introducing like the characters again. I actually want to going to that scene. I think it does a really good job in the, setting up the the whole movie because it's all about the repercussions of being a family mm-hmm. and 
if you watch that opening, that opening is really clever because each character, each member of the Guardians has a little parenting moment with Groot. Yeah. You have the whole, you have Rocket looking after him. You have uh, Quill yelling, Groot. Yeah. Uh, everybody's worried about him. And I just think that sets up really well yeah. for everything it's trying to talk about. And then the scene before that, I'm pretty sure they use Lakeshore Drive, another great song That's I love. That's later. But I think b- before Mr. Blue Sky, I think the best best use of a song in any movie that I've ever seen is Brandy. Yeah, I was going to get to that Brandy. You've mentioned this before. It definitely ties into the plot of this movie. I'll let you explain it because you, you can say it better than me, but I definitely like Brandy. So I honestly, I'll just kind of sum this up, but um, Mr. Blue Sky, Lakeshore Drive, and then they got um, Southern Nights in the movie too, oh. which is Southern Nights is definitely in my top five favorite songs. I can't stop listening to that song. It, when it comes on, I don't switch it off i usually listen to the whole thing through it's a fun song and the way they used it we'll get to that later because i agree um you know you and i can probably agree on this that that is an iconic rocket scene in the movie yeah and that that song reminds me of rocket raccoon one of the best scenes in the film i want to add one more song i think you pretty much covered it all i want to add the chain by Fleetwood yeah, the Mac. Ch- yeah the whole i think that just got a great is that the off. part that's the part where you shouldn't um, have killed my mom and yeah. squished my walkman good yeah. yeah no good use of the song so i think both soundtracks in both movies are fantastic like better than most movies volume two surpassed it with i think he did a better job with relating the lyrics to the plot i think james gunn uh i think he said this multiple times but when he's he picks the songs and then writes which is that's clever so brandy brandy's the opening scene uh it's okay ego. branding that then yeah i was wrong on that brandy's not lakeshore drive it's brandy yeah. it's ego in uh meredith quill driving listening to brandy yeah if you, uh look at the lyrics to brandy it's all about uh, a man le- having to leave his love and that's what ego thinks he is he he uses that song to kind of justify his actions but it's proven wrong because um i think this is the biggest twist in both movies but if if like you it d- says like the lyrics what a good wife you would be yeah um but my but my uh your yeah your eyes should steal a sailor from the sea so obviously ego is the sailor of he's the got sea. To, he's got to go back to the sea and he explains that uh about the midpoint of the film but uh yeah i think i think gun does a really good job with uh i think he tops himself with these songs. was there um was there a necklace did ego have a necklace um uh i don't think so okay no then never mind but yeah i think that's just me reading the lyrics trying to relate it i think i think brandy just does such a good job laying that out the same way i'm not in love does does for the first movie yeah and uh, let's let's talk about ego now that we're on him i think ego is such an underrated villain i think he's i agree with that i think he's a top five marvel villain yeah i like him because it's one of the only marvel movies where it's like you're kind of you're kind of thinking about him the entire time like i would say i was kind of i'd say for the most part i was pretty much caught off guard with him especially with the big twist yeah that uh, he put a tumor in Meredith Quill's. Yeah, that that probably was the climax of the movie. Well, for the it, most part, the, it's the midpoint. The climax was the payoff. With, yeah, but yeah, just I think he's so underrated because it's the whole fa- false fatherhood. It's kind of like um, 
He's very he's very endearing. Elite Quillon plays catch with him with a I don't even know Powerball or he's, something. He's very endearing and he's trying to manipulate Quill. Um, he's trying to boost his, uh, for lack of a better term, ego. And I think yeah. that was really clever to have ego be the main villain of this. They, yeah. In the comics, he's just a living planet. Yeah. But they really manipulated him, um, and made it really. He made. He's a very manipulative. In the comics, was ego Quill's dad or no? In the comics, uh. Is that why people didn't like it as much? I, I don't know. I, I don't think so because the Guardians... Most people like Volume 1 better than Volume 2. I yeah. think it's because of Ego. I don't know if they understand like the point of it, but... Yeah, in the comics, Quill's father is uh, a king of an alien race. See, I like the planet Jason. better. Yeah, I, 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 I like Ego's more as well because he, he manipulates Peter and he kind of justifies his immaturity. He relates him to Peter and Meredith Quill to mm-hmm. Gamora, and it's kind of the more you watch him and the more you see what he does with Peter, the more sickening it is. Yeah. Because, uh, and th- this movie I think does a really good job critiquing Quill's immaturity. It kind of yeah, it's holding him back. It uh, towards the beginning, him and uh Rocket almost get the team killed. Uh, trying to f- fly the ship away yeah. from um the uh i forget their name the yellow people let me look Aisha it up yeah people i know adam warlock yeah the people who make adam warlock but um yeah and it's the movie's really about quill kind of maturing because he's definitely matured from one to two but it's not that much he's still got glaring problems yeah uh they are the, oh the sovereign the sovereign yeah yeah forgot their name they they and have a really that was a consequence of rocket raccoon stealing stuff yeah and i think immature. rocket in this film is fantastic yeah we'll get to him should we talk about him now um yeah i i anything else to say about ego i think ego is great um i i honestly like him a lot because it's not a typical marvel villain where it's like plain dry i would mm-hmm. say yeah. It's not predictable. It's not. It's more exciting because it's more of a personal relationship. And he's connected to the characters that pretty much the entire film. Yeah, and then the ending fight scene with um, Ego in the core of the planet was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. Had some funny lines as well, too. Mm-hmm. With Groot with the explosion box and rockets telling Root, Groot with button to push. And Groot yeah. has no idea what's. It's like that scene in the same movie where they're in the prison and yeah. they're telling Groot to well, grab the key. Speaking of that, uh, I really, I really think this movie boils down to like four pairs. You have Peter and uh, Peter and Ego. You could really say Peter and Gamora too, but that was kind of Volume One. Yeah, it's just continuing. I have uh, Rocket and Yondu. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Um, you have Nebula and Gamora, mm-hmm. and you have uh, Drax and Mantis. That's an that's another way I c- could kind of relate it to Star Wars in a sense because. Star Wars does a thing where they take the they take the whole character team and split and them somehow up. they split up throughout Last the movie. Jedi. Last Jedi does a great job of that. And that's what happens. They split up, go to different parts mm-hmm. of the galaxy pretty much. Mm-hmm. And in this one it's just the same different parts of the planet. Yeah. It's really great. And so you have Rocket and Yondu, and mm, I think that's... Oh, fantastic pair. I think it's the highlight of the film, because... I think Yondu's one of the best characters in Volume 2. Oh, Yondu's... Yondu's the scene where he's walking, um... Oh. 
and the arrows going the, through. Um, Come a little bit closer song. Yeah, yeah, that's another good song in that movie. Mm-hmm. So the whole the thing I love about Rocket and Yondu is they they hold a mirror up to each other and they they know that they realize that they're really the same. They both uh, had a lot of trauma in their youth yeah. and they're afraid of getting close to people. Yondu it showed with Peter. He showed True. he loves Peter but he doesn't want to get close to him because he's afraid like he was sold into slavery as a kid. Yeah. So he, he always is on an edge and doesn't he, trust people. And it's a lot, it's, it's almost exactly like rocket. So it's a good, it's a definitely good character buildup and a good yeah mashup between the two. Yeah. And plus it's just really fun. Michael Rooker as Yondu is amazing. He's no. Great. Yeah, definitely. Yondu definitely was one of my favorite characters in the movie. And then we'll get to like the, very ending of the movie with Yondu and how they honor him and stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. And with Rocket, you have him in the beginning of the film, kind of, uh, he's stealing batteries. He's yelling For no at reason. Quill. And it's kind of, I think it's really interesting because volume one sets up the idea that he doesn't want to be closely connected to people. Yeah. But then he gets closely connected to them at the end of volume one. Yeah. Uh, and two is kind of the repercussion because, I think I think what Volume Two is really smart at doing it's these characters haven't fully grown yet. Yeah, you have Peter's immaturity. You have Rocket. Rocket still feels that apprehension to getting close to people, and it shows immediately. He's yelling at Quill. He's, I mean, it feels like the relationship is unsalvageable at one point. And you have, he's, he's mad. He's he, he's just um. He doesn't want to be loved because mm-hmm. he's afraid of it. And through Yondu losing the Ravagers yeah. to that hyper-masculine idea of taser face. That's so fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. And him losing everything and him losing the trust of his men. Yeah. And him kind of, I mean, it's introduced, but it's kind of already happened, kind of losing the trust of all the Ravagers, especially with Sylvester Stallone's character, his father his kind of surrogate father um it they really put a mirror up to each other and it's yondu says it perfectly i know who you are you're me yeah it's done really well and Mm -hmm. really great and obviously with like baby Groot, it's it's funny you have as you said that scene where they're breaking out it's fun scene it's definitely one of the fun it's like the fun scene of the movie so they're like scenes where it's serious mm-hmm. towards the end and then they have those fun scenes they do a really good job with that throughout the movie and i think the ego rocket part uh not uh, the yondu rocket part sorry uh it has probably the best action scenes like we said the southern knights southern and... knights so like what we're referring to is rocket was in the woods i'm not sure what planet it was don't know off the uh, top it of my was head. one they crashed on one they crashed on um he's repairing the ship and i think it's was it the ravengers that were yeah the ravengers yeah uh yeah, they were capturing them. Yeah. yeah, so they come up to Rocket Ship, and Rocket um, puts a voice recording. He has Nebula captured, which mm-hmm. is fun, and then he has a voice recording of him on the ship, and then he has all these booby traps set up in the woods, and it's just fun. That's why I like Southern Nights, because it's just Rocket having fun, messing with the Ravengers, and it's just a cool scene, and then he gets kind of caught by Yondu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have anything else to say about... uh? Rocket and Yondu. I think we're going to come back to Yondu because he yeah. plays such a No, I think that's role. pretty much it on them. De- definitely one of the best pairs of that movie. 
yeah probably the best <laughs> probably the best i think i think coming close is gomora and nebula i think gomora and nebula good, are fantastic it's a good struggle because they're starting you can tell they're starting to get along but it's definitely like it's a relationship that seemed un- unsalvageable yeah and it's like the core out of it is kind of uh gomora's survivor guilt from the abuse of thanos uh nebula's lashing out at her because uh she didn't do anything Mm -hmm. and it's just really i mean tasteful it does it really well about the abusive relationships thanos had with them and they grow from it they fight obviously with that big machine gun yeah um and they oh yeah i forgot about that scene and at the end one of the the end has so many great moments and the whole uh their final confrontation of the film just a hug and you'll always be my sister yeah it's really great and it's done really well throughout the entire film and i honestly think um knowing what volume two gave us i don't think that thanos stuff is needed and i think that makes it worse for me the thanos stuff really isn't needed in volume one because Volume 2 pays such close attention to kind of the trauma Thanos You're talking about, like, showing Thanos in the movie? Yeah, showing him. No, it makes sense. All the, I think in Volume 1, all they needed to do was mention Thanos as their dad mm-hmm. and then show the conflict because then you get the point. Because Volume – like, it's done their, – uh, their trauma from Thanos, his abuse, is done so well. And it kind of – if you don't have Thanos shown, yeah. his uh, reveal in Infinity War would probably be more grand. And would I probably have a better I impact. Agree. Yeah, him fighting the Hulk. It would probably be wow. This is the guy uh, we haven't seen, but Gamora and Nebula have been afraid Mentioned. of. They fought. Their relationship was broken, and now they're tr- finally trying to mend that broken relationship because of. And um, yeah, just going back to like um, what Volume One does compared to Volume Two and the whole Thanos thing. I just think uh, not only is this film um like more vibrant i think this is the best looking marvel film as well uh throughout the entire film it looks like um i know this is obscure this is an obscure uh comic book artist but it's like a jim starlin comic book or it's like a little bit of jack kirby classic colors they they pop they're bright and it's just really dynamic and it's really beautiful in ways that most marvel movies they feel flat and they feel gray and they feel almost like concrete wouldn't you wouldn't you agree with that most marvel films just feel like concrete they're kind of gray yeah i would definitely agree with that uh personally i don't read comics but do you like the guardian comics compared to other marvel comics or not not as much do you like the movie well, well I, I know they're not it's not really comparable i but. do like the guardians comic that came out close to this release it came out okay. like a year before the release of the movie but it's not like the whole like i like the guardians comics because they're more colorful than yeah the uh, the, the avengers comics the thing is with the avengers comics and like spider-man comics they're colorful mm-hmm. but the movies scale it back because they want to be real mm-hmm. and it just i don't think it fits them as well and i think the brightness of guardians especially guardians 2 uh ego's planet is gorgeous yeah, it colors is. Colors yeah, everywhere. It's really good. It's really good. And it just it, it embraces the comic booky yeah,ness of it all. And I think the MCU does embrace the kind of ridiculousness of, of everything, but yeah. It the way it's shot, the way it's kind of uh it again, it feels like concrete. Yeah. It's very gray. It 
clashes with the idea of like, oh, Iron Man and a super soldier frozen for 70 years uh-huh. and the Hulk. It's They kind of contrast. But I think Guardians finds a really nice balance of that. Definitely. Def- yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to say with uh, Gamora and Nebula? I just think... Um... The only thing maybe I would add is that I like how Nebula is not your typical villain. She's obviously in a struggle. She has good in her, mm-hmm. and you can obviously see it, but it's like a struggle for her to kind of – because there's so much like hate. I wouldn't say she hates Gamora. It's more like she hates the fact that when she loses to her, it inflicts pain on her for – no particular reason, because what does Thanos take a part of her body, try to make her equal to Gamora? Is not how that works. Yeah, every time they would fight, Nebula would lose, and she'd have a. I would replace, say she'd have a piece of her replacement. It's not hate; it's more machinery. frustration with everything. Yeah. So, and, it, it, and you can see that, and then she obviously grows into something that will be part, probably part of the team of the Guardians. Yeah, like we see. Uh... And like, she relates well with each character of the Guardians too. Yeah, like in um, even with like Mantis, Mantis, it's not really shown because you have so many stuff you you have so much stuff you got to tell in the two hours. Mm-hmm. But Mantis is also a victim of abuse from Ego. It's kind of like a pet, but she's afraid of him. She's kind of his pet. A uh, whose pet? Ego's. Oh, Ego's pet. Okay. And she's afraid of him, and it's kind of in her uh taking helping the guardians becoming yeah. a member of the guardians of the galaxy and taking down ego it's kind of that catharsis of that trauma and that pain that she's had from ego yeah but we ha- but we didn't even hear a lot about it and um i want to go into the next pairing mantis and drax i just want to talk about one scene when they're outside yeah that building talking. And, it, and it's the uh drax remembering his family who died at the hands of thanos mm-hmm. and Mantis puts her hand on his shoulder and she starts crying. I just think that does so much in so such little time to say about Drax's character. He's gone through so much. And he doesn't really... I would say he doesn't express it as much as the other characters. He's lost so much to Thanos. He's lost so much in his life. But he's, he's subdued, as you said. He holds it back. And that obviously can be painful. And it's kind of... Being with the Guardians, he kind of shares that pain. And that's yeah. kind of been his arc throughout the two movies. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I'd say that's definitely the main point of each of these movies is shared pain. Mm-hmm. So, like, being with a group definitely uh, spreads out your pain and kind of helps you deal with it, in a sense. Yeah. I, I want to go to the uh, the finale of this film. Um, there's a whole lot that's going on. I. I want to talk about like uh, Yondu. Yeah. The whole Yondu and Peter. Yondu. Spoiler alert. Obviously, we're forty-five minutes into this, but uh, Yondu's sacrifice. It's kind of it's him accepting that. Yeah, I wasn't the best father figure to Peter, but I want to make it up. I know what I did was wrong, and just let me have this. He even says that. Just let me have this. Yeah, that, that was a really good scene in the movie. And. I think I think that's what's the line that he said. I'm not. Uh, he may have been your father, boy, but he wasn't your daddy. And I think that's just great. that's a funny, funny line. But at the same, it's pretty deep cut. Yeah, and it's that scene. If you watch that scene, it's a great performance by Chris Pratt. Maybe his best in both films. Uh, but that's kind of the more showy emotional scene. Yeah. I want to go to his funeral. 
um, the scene that really gets the lines that really get me is when Peter's really giving his eulogy and he's like, I always told people my dad was David Hasselhoff and maybe, maybe Yondu didn't have uh, a flying, a talking car, but he had a flying arrow and he just goes on. He, he's kind of realizing that Yondu was a pretty cool dad, as he mm-hmm. says. Yeah. And I thought that that always got to me. And the whole the whole Yandu funeral scene gets to me. Well, I the think Ravengers it, come back and honor him. I think that's I think that's the best scene in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's set up in the beginning that Sylvester Stallone's character tells Yandu, "You'll never see the Ravager uh, colors fly yeah, at, your, at funeral. your funeral," and uh, they get word of what he he and did. You kind of like at the moment you're not really like thinking about any like a, it's not really a big deal like whatever. Yeah, you get. Uh, it gets the message gets relayed to the Ravagers, and they come and they honor him. They, the Ravager uh, colors fly at his yeah. funeral, and uh, there's two moments, af- two moments on top of the eulogy, uh, Craglin watching, and he just lets out a yeah. That <laughs> always gets to me. I love that, and because Craglin throughout these movies, he stuck by, he was he questioned Yondu. He saw problems with Yondu's, uh, yeah. uh, his way of protecting Quill in a way, but he was always there to support him. He was always by Yondu's yeah. side. Um, but Rocket just saying they showed up, they, they came, even though he lied, even though he stole, even though he says, even though he stole batteries, he didn't need, he's obviously, he, he we think he's talking about Yondu, but obviously when he says that, he's talking about himself. Yeah. And the scene with Yondu, the scenes with Yondu and Rocket really earn that ending where he's, he's kind of saying, everything I've done, Rocket, everything I've done to you, Quill, to Gamora, to the team, I'm really sorry. Um, and he's kind of wishful of that kind of death where it's honorable. his family will recognize him and they'll, celebrate him and quill says of course he quill he uh kind of assures rocket that no we're family this is yeah you don't you don't have to you don't have to be uh fearful of our love and it the movie ends with rocket crying rocket crying and i think that's just great and it really says something that the uh, final shot of a film is a CGI raccoon crying, and it has such an impact on me and others. And I, I don't think anything in the MCU just comes close to that. Yeah, type I of emotion. Would probably agree with that. Because even like if Mar- another Marvel, even if like uh, let's say like Spider-Man: Far From Home, even if that had that kind of emotional moment, it wouldn't have felt earned. But Guardians earns it because what it's saying, it feels like James Gunn is telling personal stories in these two movies. Yeah. He's telling stories about family. He's telling stories about pain. He's mm-hmm. telling stories about fear. And it just feels very genuine. It doesn't feel like Marvel is doing this to sell baby Groot toys, <laughs> even though that's kind of a plus. It feels like James Gunn made this film because he wanted to say something. And I can't say that about most Marvel movies. Yeah, you're definitely right about um, how there's a deep meaning to this. And it, that, I wouldn't say it takes like a lot to look into it, but you yeah, definitely yeah. have to yeah. look out for it, which is kind of cool. That's mm-hmm. definitely 
good directing. There's a lot of there's a lot of subtlety to it, but it, but it's very obvious what it's trying to yeah. say, and I think that's really, as I said on the uh, Pixar film, uh, the Pixar episode, and the Star Wars episodes. I am a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of movies that relate to everyone, and yeah. this is perfect. It relates to everyone, and it also tells a message that is worth watching. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you have anything else to say about Guardians 2? Do you have like a favorite part, a least favorite part? Favorite part? Off the top of my head, probably Rocket in the Woods. Um, least favorite part? Uh, I can't really... I, I, my yeah. only, my, the only stuff I have are like gripes. Just like nitpicks. I'd probably say my my favorite scene's the end. I love Yondu's funeral. Yeah, that's a good scene. It's gonna be hard to top that in the third one. But I'd probably say my least favorite part. I like it's not it's not like damning, but uh, Mantis's trauma of her abuse with Ego is kind of just played for a joke every time. Okay. It's not played with the same care as Peter's or Gamora's or Nebula's. Gotcha. But. I think it's I, I I don't see it as that big of a problem. No, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good it's a good eye on that. I wouldn't have not picked that up, but yeah, that that makes sense. I know what you mean because yeah. she's now probably a member of the team. She is, huh? She, she I mean, Infinity like so these movies came out three years uh, apart from each other, and uh, in like universe they take place four months between each other. Yeah. So it's volume one happens four or so months, volume two, and then four years, then infinity war. Okay. So I think infinity, like, I think the problem with, I think there's a problem with that. With, uh, I have a lot of problems with infinity war, but I think that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, we kind of, uh, we have so little time with the guardians to like see how much they've changed. I think I think the whole Guardians with Thor is probably the best part of that film. Oh, wasn't that Rocket Groot and Thor? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the best wasn't part that, of that that wasn't Endgame? The ending the end of Endgames with Thor joining the Guardians. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said you were talking about Infinity War. Yeah. I mean it's it goes with both. Okay, yeah. And going you to like you I was gonna ask you about that. You like Thor is Thor gonna join the Guardians or no? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think he's gonna be probably in the not because he has his own movie coming out. I don't think he's gonna be in the third Guardians movie. Uh, I kind of like that. I don't think I'd want Thor on the yeah. And going even going with Infinity War and Endgame, I think the best characters are in, in the film are the Guardians. I think Gomorrah in what film? In both. If you look yeah. at both films, I think Gomorra might be good scene when um Thanos has um he has to choose between or giving up something he loves for the stone yeah and he gives up gamora but it's like yeah and you have peter and you have quill kind of ruining it for everyone but it still shows that he has growing to do he's not a perfect character yet yeah and i just like that and i think in an end game nebula is probably the best character she's good yeah i think i I think they do nebula really well in end game and i think it's because uh the two Guardians movies play, uh, pave such a strong foundation for these characters. No, yeah. In ways definitely. that, like, you take Thor and Infinity War, they've kind of got to go off Ragnarok. You don't have 
all the other movies that he's been in because Ragnarok was kind of a reboot for Thor in terms of character. But yeah, I just think compared to the rest of the Marvel universe, the guardians um, are done so much better. They grow better. They, they are, their flaws are critiqued, Mm -hmm. especially quills and maturity as we've said, but yeah, I just, I, I love these films. Uh, I want to put before we end, I want to quickly talk about the third movie. James Gunn's back directing it. Okay. What do you want to see in the third film? Um, I'm not sure because you can go d- many different routes with this. You could either go a more of a history on Drax, but I don't think I don't know if you kind of want to go into that because then you'd have to bring Thanos or Thanos into it again. Yeah, I think I think what they're going to go with is the thing I wanted to go with. I think I think they're gonna go into Rocket's past. Yeah, I think that'd be better. And kind of like, but what uh, are they gonna do with Gamora? And not remember at the end of Endgame, she not, doesn't remember anything. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm kind I of. I feel like that's a slippery slope. I really hope they don't kind of tiptoe over it, and it's kind of like, oh, she's back. I feel like there's. You gonna, want her to be kind of like. I I kind of I think it's gonna be the Gamora from 2014. It's gonna join them, and it's kind of kind of be like, she's gotta regain everything. Which could be a way, it could be a way to like create problems with her quill, but yeah, I'm not really sure what they're gonna go with. I don't really like speculating like this, but I, I think that's what they're gonna go with, and I'm fine with that if that's the way they go. All right, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. I have to see it. I don't know where they're heading with this. Yeah, I just hope, I just hope, Quill, Rocket, Gamora, Drax, and Groot are done as well as they've done. The last two movies definitely yeah because if gun pulls this off it's probably my favorite comic book trilogy of all time because spider-man 3 kind of falters and uh the dark knight's up there but yeah i'd probably put that number one because i just love watching these films yeah that's definitely true yeah hopefully it's a good third movie because i enjoy the two movies yeah it, yeah, as I mean, I've said it over and over again, but it's I would really recommend watching these films. They have much more to say than CGI action fights. And yeah, I just think they're really worth your time. Do you have we'll wrap this up. Been going for like an hour. Do you yeah. have anything else to say about the Guardians as a whole? I don't think I do, but I definitely like you said recommend watching the movies. Um there's a lot to them that I like. Um good music. Good plot, like we've talked about. Good characters. Um, it's definitely one of those Marvel movies you have to watch. I would say it's must like watch. must watch if you're a Marvel. If you're like into the Marvel movies or any, just a mo- any movies in general, it's definitely a good movie to watch. I think I think it's the great if you if you want somebody to get onto the MCU, I think it's the first movie you have to show them. That's fair. Over Iron Man. That's fair. I would say. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think we have anything else to say. Uh, All right, yeah, thanks for having me. I yeah. had fun. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, <laughs> be sure to listen next week. Uh, we will be continuing the podcast after a week break. We're back on it. And yeah, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs>